0: I've been, uh, this is the best my voice has been in like a week and a half, so like I told my group in prayer, um, if my voice goes at some point or I just start tacking or something, um, we'll either go home early or I'll tag Woodley in. Um, the nice thing about this passage is it's one of those kind of straightforward passages in terms of we should all be able to understand it. It's one of those things that it takes some more wrestling to um, want to deal with it, maybe. Um, But hopefully, even if I'm not um, all the way there, um, we'll be able to understand the passage together. So, um, we started um, in James uh, chapter 1 last week. Um, We went through the the first 12 verses focusing on uh, what we prayed about, this idea of, Experiencing um, trials and and tests and how that produces in us um, endurance and um, perfects us and makes us more like Christ and um, how that all comes together and so then we come to today's passage and um, the title for the the message today is faith in the shadows and we know that with, with shadows like we see it even even here say like during the greeting time right because the kids start running around, and if the person in the back doesn't black the screen, everybody's over here trying to figure out like how to make the next um, shadow puppet. It's as simple as that. Like Things can look different when light is displaced or when light is absent. Even, you know, we know this growing up in our, our rooms. You feel safe in your room during the day, and then the lights go out at night, it's time to go to bed, and suddenly, like, if you were to really ask yourself, you'd know it was a chair in the corner. But in the shadows, it doesn't like look like a chair anymore. It looks like something else. In in the shadows, in in the darkness, you may be walking down a street that you would be perfectly fine walking down during the day. But then the lights are out. It's not a well lit street, and all of a sudden, your mind goes all the places you've seen in the last horror movie you watched, or the last uh, CSI or SVU you watched, and oh no, there's probably some guy that's like packing boxes, that's gonna stop packing those boxes and come out and get me, whatever those things are. Whenever um, we can't fully see the whole picture, our minds start to fill in things, and a lot of times they started to fill in the wrong things and, and the bad things, right? They don't necessarily, jump to, when you're in the, a dark alley, you don't necessarily think, oh, someone's gonna pop out and give me a birthday party. Like, no, nobody walks down the aisle thinking that, right? You, you tend to think of the things the opposite of that. And so, that's sort of um, the, the case that is gonna be happening in the verses that James is gonna be talking um, to his readers because we know these people, Right, he's writing to them about when you go through trials and temptations. It's not like if you do, like maybe you should store this away. It's like, I know this is happening. Right, these are the he's writing to the people that have been dispersed. These are the people that were um, in Jerusalem and they've been persecuted, and now they've gone out to different parts of the world because uh, they've been under trial and test because of their faith. And so in addition, we get to this section verses 13 through 16, I'm sorry 18, where he starts dealing with not just trials but the idea of temptation. So let's read that together and then see how that fits in to James's um, argument here. In chapter 1, verse 13, no one undergoing a trial should say, I am being tempted by God, since God is not tempted by evil, and he himself doesn't tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desire. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. By his own choice, he gave us birth by the word of truth, so that we would be a kind of first fruits of his creature. So, we're going to be talking about this idea of temptation, and I don't want us to to go into it thinking like okay we talked about trials last week and now it's temptations and these things never happen at the same time and these are totally different things that James is talking about in this chapter they're tied together because it's it's not like life isn't like a game show right like it's not like welcome to trials tests and temptations and like this is round 1 you've got a trial Like you make it through, and then you're like, okay, you made it through the trial, but now you've got a temptation, and you have to like get past it. No, like sometimes your tests or your trials, they go on for a long time. And in the middle of that, other trials and tests are also happening. And in the middle of that, you have a temptation. And sometimes it's an individual temptation. And sometimes we all have those temptations we know, in different parts of life where maybe you don't experience it for like a month or two. And then all of a sudden you wake up one morning and you're like, oh, it's going to be that kind of day. This is going to be in my mind today. I'm going to have to fight this today. And maybe that goes on for a little while. Right? We all know that that life is interconnected. It's not just like, oh, if I can just do this one individual thing, I'm going to be fine because lots of other things are happening at the same time. Tests, trials, joys, anxieties, it's all coming together. And so, part of the temptation that is here is that James is saying, okay, I've talked to these people and I've told them that in the midst of these testings, you're going to be, you should rejoice because you're going to be growing in your faith, you're going to be more mature um, you're ultimately going to be more like Jesus and that's a good thing and ultimately you're going to receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him in verse 12. so in in the midst of that it's going to be easy for for someone to say okay I'm in the midst of all of this right if if you only had to deal with temptation all by itself and everything else from life was, like, taken out of the picture, it would be a lot easier to deal with your temptations, right? If you weren't like, man, I'm already, like, worn out from this week. I'm already tired from this long day at work. I'm already frustrated from this other argument I had with somebody in my family or one of my friends. And now I've got to, like, get together and, like, focus on not doing this thing that I tempted to do right now. So in the midst of that, it's easy for us to come up with excuses, for us to come up with reasons to give in to the temptation, to yield to the temptation, to say, well, all of these factors contributed, and so it's not like really, it wasn't really me, though. Or it wasn't really that bad. And and we do that even even when we, we apologize, right? Or maybe this is just me. Right, you go to apologize to someone. You 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 said something stupid. You did something stupid, and in your apology, you, you say like, you know, I'm, I'm really sorry for this. You know, it was a it was a really long day, and it was, everything was going bad, and blah 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 blah. And so I said something, but you're trying you're trying to like take the blame off of yourself, even in the midst of like apologizing. You ever done that? <laughs> Somebody's been apologized to like that before. It sounds like right. Um, Right, instead of just saying, hey, I messed up, I said this thing, I shouldn't have done. No matter what was going on, like, I'm in the wrong here. We say, okay, yeah, but you see, I'm not really like that. That's not really me. Like, all this other stuff contributed, and then it just, like, happened. And, and so, one of the things that James thinks his readers might come to in the midst of all of this is in verse 13, where they might get to the point of saying, you know what, well, this temptation is really from God. Like, maybe maybe God is is tempting me for some kind of purpose, so I guess maybe I I need to to give in for that reason. Maybe, maybe everything is just, like, stressful and hurting and wrong, and so I'm not really sure that maybe God would tempt me. I don't know, I'm really confused right now. And so, James comes out as explicitly as he can, and says, if anybody is saying that, you don't say it. God is not tempted by evil, and he doesn't tempt anyone. That's black and white. And so, both at the the front of these verses and the back of these verses, James is going to give us some truths about God, that in the shadows in the midst of our trials and testing and all the stress of life, when we are tempted in whatever way it is to to give in to temptation, to distrust God, to move away um, from the steps of faith that we know God is calling us to, he's saying, here's some truths about God that you need to hang on to that will enable you to persevere and endure in the midst of temptation. And so the first is this truth about the origin of temptation. It's not from God. God is not the one tempting you. God doesn't tempt anyone. Right? This, is, this isn't like a, a new thing. These, these readers who might have this argument, who might have this idea, might say, oh, well, maybe, I, maybe I can say it was okay because, because it was really God that was doing it. This isn't like a, a new way to get out of it what you did or your sin, right? This is this is the first way to get out of what you did, right? Because remember the, the garden of Eden, right? Eve takes the fruit, she eats some, she gives it to Adam, and Adam takes a bite, and God comes, and they're hiding, and he's like, what's going on? They, they're trying not to tell him, and finally they like, okay, we did it. And Adam's like, but really, I mean, if it was the woman that you gave to me. That was the reason that I threw It's God, It's really your fault, God. Like you put me in that position. Like this isn't a this isn't a new thing that these oh this is a clever way to get out. And this is like the oldest way that people have tried to get out of things. And James is saying that's been wrong from the minute it came out of Adam's mouth, and it's still wrong today that's not the nature of who God is. You may experience temptations. I'm not saying you won't. That's not what he's arguing. But when you do, God is not the one tempting you. God is not tempted by evil. That's not something because he's holy that he needs any part of that. He wants any part of it. And so he's not going to go around encouraging you to bring more evil and wrong into the world. So if, if God isn't the origin or the source of our temptation, something has to be. And so James lays it out right in the next verses. Each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desire. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin And when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. So ultimately, I'm drawn away by my my own evil desire. Proverbs 19, verse 3 says, A person's own foolishness leads him astray, yet his heart rages against the Lord. It's this same kind of person who's like, looking for someone else to blame and okay, maybe I can blame it on God. And James is saying in the midst of all these things when you're in temptation and you go down that path it's from your own self it's from your own desire it's, it's from your own heart Like James's half brother Jesus. In Mark chapter seven, he says, "Okay, so so him and the disciples are eating some bread, and they haven't washed their hands, and those, the Pharisees are all mad, like you're gonna you're gonna be unclean now." And and Jesus is trying to tell them that it's not it's not what goes in that defiles a person. He says, "What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within." Out of people's hearts come evil thoughts, sexual immoralities, thefts, murders, adulteries, greed, evil actions, deceit, self-indulgence, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a person. Right? Because in the the regular kind of of day-to-day life, we don't think of ourselves that way. We want to think of ourselves in the best light possible. Like, there's no way I'd be the person that would go down this road. Like, maybe if like there were crazy extenuating circumstances and there was no other answer, like, like maybe in a jam I'd behave like that, but it wouldn't really be me. And James is saying, as he's beginning this argument, because we're going to be talking about this idea of of faith that works. He's saying, he's going to tell us that if we're part of the family of faith, and we're in faith, that's going to be doing a certain thing. And so if we're not doing those things, those things aren't coming from God. Those things are coming from ourselves. Those things are coming from within, from our own desire. We're enticed, we're lured and, and drawn away like like a fish looking looking at a worm and not realizing that there's a hook there as well. Again, it goes back even to Genesis, right? Eve is, is talking with the serpent, and in Genesis 3, verse 6, the woman saw that the tree was good for food, delightful to look at, and that was desirable for obtaining wisdom. Just like us, she was drawn and enticed away our own desires. So James is saying this, this origin, this story of temptation isn't a new one. It's not one that you can try and pin on God. It's something that is a part of us that we need to deal with, that we need to understand where it comes from, because, right, verse 15, it has ultimate consequences. After desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. When sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. Right, and in verse 18, it says that God, by his own choice, gave us birth. So there's two births that are happening in this passage. One that God gives that brings life. And one that comes from our desires, and that brings death. Because we that's what in the moment we think, right, we're not we're not following after something in the front of our minds thinking, oh man, this is gonna kill me. This is going to be great. This is murder. This is wonderful. That's not what we're thinking. But James is saying, that's what you're doing. Right? It's it's like the the picture of uh, in in Proverbs chapter 5, where the father is talking to the son about staying away from the adulterous woman. And he says, though... Though the lips of the forbidden woman drip honey and her words are smoother than oil, in the end she's as bitter as wormwood and as sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps head straight for Sheol. She doesn't consider the path of life. She doesn't know that her ways are unstable. Right in the moment, we see something that isn't what it is. Whether it's out of we've been convincing ourselves that we want something other than what God has for us. Whether we are just overstressed and we're not thinking as clearly as we need to be. We see things for what they aren't. And we think that there is going to be life. And we see in this passage that Birth happens, but it's birth that leads to death. We can follow and follow and follow our own desires, but they aren't going to lead to life. On our own, we are headed for death. The penalty of sin And so he says, don't be deceived. My dear brothers and sisters, I care about you and I don't want you to get mixed up in the midst of your hurt, in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your doubt, in the midst of your confusion, in the midst of all these things that are going to make it hard for you to remember who God is. That's going to make it hard for you to remember who God is to you, what he's done for you. Don't be deceived. Because the human heart, what is it? It's deceitful above all else. On our own, we are always going to be chasing after a shiny lure that leads. He says the second truth about God. He's told them that God is not involved with temptation. And now he tells them in verse 17 every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like shifting. his own choice, he gave us birth by the word of truth, so that we'd be kind of first fruits of his creatures. So here, he calls God the Father of lights. If we we think back to to Genesis, again, chapter 1, right in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void, and everything was dark, and then what are the first words of dialogue in the Bible? God said, let there be light, right? And then in, in verses 15 and 16, it says he made the lights, the sun and the moon to govern the day and the night and he made the stars too. That's kind of one of my like, favorite throwaway lines in the Bible where it's just like these people, right, you, you, you may know someone that like they, they read their um, astrology thing every day and like we've had plenty of people, right, that they based all of their decisions on where the stars are in the sky, and like, and Moses, was like, oh yeah, I gotta be the stars. Yeah, those are just kind of a. It mean, wasn't even like a, it wasn't even worth like making a whole day for him. It was just like, oh, throw away, oh yeah, yeah, the stars were on that day. I was just, I was thought like, oh, that was cool. It's not really quite related to the passage here. But, um, <laughs> but so there's this, this idea that. God is the Father of lights. He's created all these lights, but He's not like shifting shadows because, from from our point of view on the Earth, right, we know that the sun is always shining, and right? we know that these stars, at least the light that we're seeing from them, from where they are, because it takes so long to let, for light to get here, right. So at the point that we're seeing them, they're still shining, right. But but during the the course of the earth turning, sometimes we don't see the sun. Sometimes the way the moon is turning, we only see some of the moon. Sometimes the way the earth is turning and the way it's been revolving around the sun, we only see certain parts of certain constellations in our sky, depending on where we are. And so James is saying there's all these other lights that they aren't always the same. Sometimes you see them. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes at 3 p.m. there's a long shadow. Sometimes there's a short shadow, depending on what time of year it is. Sometimes we don't see the sun because it's cloudy. In the midst of all of this, God is not like those. He does not change. He is always who he is in the midst of temptation, in the midst of trial, in the midst of temptation, those things are going to cast shadows in your life. Those things are going to encourage you, even tempt you to think, maybe God is like these shifting shadows. Maybe maybe God's really not near right now. Maybe God really won't hear me right now. Maybe if I ask for wisdom right now, I, I might not get it. And James says, Our Father of light does not change like that. He is who he is. And this is one of those things like if you want to be, if you want to be able to sound cool to somebody, it's one of those characteristics of God called. That he's immutable. He doesn't change. So you can use that sometime and feel like a theologian. It really doesn't matter. What matters is that you know that God doesn't change. What matters is that you know that who God was yesterday is who God is tomorrow. And who God is today. Because that's what we need for faith. Because we aren't like God. Right? We see all these shadows. We change a lot, and so every day we have to make that choice to be like, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fight through everything here to be able to see the light, to be able to remind myself that God has always been there, that God is still the same. Um, one of the. Um, EPs that i listened to a lot over the last year um, was The Arrow by Andy Mineo. And he talks a lot about um, doubt and anxiety and fear and a whole song about his father not showing up for his wedding and all these different things that um, tempted him toward depression and anxiety and all these different things and how he's struggling through it. And on um, the last song of, of the EP, the end of the track is him uh, on the phone uh, calling about the album, what he, what he had an idea for, for the album artwork. And so he says, I was at LaGuardia ready to take off. He said it was like gloomy and dark, like thunder and lightning. I didn't even think we are gonna take off. Anyway, we started to take off, the pilot was like, you know, Brace yourself, there's gonna be some turbulence. We started going through the clouds and everything is shaking, and I thought I was gonna die. But when we got through the clouds, it looked like California. It was like sunny and bright and beautiful. It's like I'd almost forgotten for a second that the sun even existed. And I had this moment where I was like, yo, the sun is still here. It was here the whole time, I just couldn't see it. He says, I don't know, it just spoke to me, so. So he wanted to have something on the album where there was this arrow going through the clouds to remind him of this idea that even when everything is dark in his life, that doesn't affect who God is. The sun is still shining. And so James is saying, in the midst of everything, God is still who he is, and he gives good and perfect (laughs) gifts. And so if God doesn't change and he gives good and perfect gifts, then obviously he's going to have nothing to do with temptation and evil. So we know that anything good is from the Father. Everything that is generous and good has its origin in God. And the ultimate gift in verse 18 by his own choice, he gave us birth by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. And so this is something to hang on to, not just for temptation, but as we as we go through James and, and we wrestle with this idea of, of faith and works, because and, we can be tempted to say, okay, well, well James wants us that, to have works, and so that means I'm probably gonna do these things to, you know, Maybe, maybe earn some, some favor, maybe it's not salvation, but it's kind of earn something. And, and right here, he says, no, this is God's own choice. This wasn't something like you made it through all these trials and temptations, and so God awarded you something because you were so much better than the next person. He like said, He gave you birth. The only birth you could give brought death. So God said, I'm going to give you a birth that you can't provide on your own, I'm going to give you life. That's the greatest gift. And ultimately, right, as as we've seen last week, he wants us to become mature and complete. He wants us to be like Jesus. And so every good and perfect gift is going to lead us in that direction because that is our ultimate good. These good and perfect gifts will include things that are simple and we can rejoice in like a a nice meal or a sunny day, but this isn't about having a life full of blessing and no trials, because obviously that's not what James is talking about. He's talking to these people that are believers and saying, you are going to experience some hardship in life. You are going to experience some temptation in life. But know that ultimately God has your good in mind through everything, and that through everything, even when it looks like he's not there, he is, and he is good, and he is for you. and in the midst of everything, you can know that God is who he said he is. Because that's, that's where temptation ultimately comes down to, right? Even, even Jesus, right? And Hebrews just said he was tempted in every way like us, but without sin. And so in, in, in Matthew chapter 3, Jesus is, is baptized by John the Baptist. He comes out of the water, and the dove comes down from heaven. The Spirit comes down as dove, and, and God said, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And, then, and the next verse is, and Jesus goes to the wilderness, and is stuck there for 40 days. And the the next words are, Satan comes to him and he says, if you are the son of God, right, because Jesus has been here for 40 days. He hasn't eaten. He's hungry. He's tired. If you've been in the wilderness for 40 days, like, I mean, I don't know. I've been, been like, just kind of, like, under the weather for, like, a week. And, like, that's not anything compared to, like, being in the desert, not being able to, like, bathe or eat or... You're stressed out. You're alone. And and Satan comes to him and says, if you're the son of God, and there's so much there. Number one, like, why don't you just... If you're that powerful, why don't you just take care of yourself? But if this is really who you are, if you're really the son of God, the same thing does if you're really a child of God. Why are you here in the desert? Why don't you have any food? This doesn't seem like uh, the kind of treatment that the son of God should have. Maybe you should make your own food because uh, it doesn't seem like God's making any for you. And This isn't something that when, when we're going through it, that God doesn't relate to us on. Jesus has been through temptation in every way like us. We have a high priest who can sympathize when we are going through temptation is on our side Who prays for us. And so, as we think about what we should do going forward, it's how, how do we keep the truth about who God is present in the midst of, of everything. Because we know that these truths are going to be true no matter whether we're remembering them or forgetting them or too stressed or confused or angry or hurt or doubting to be able to hold on to them. And That's why this is so important. That's why meeting with one another during the week is so important. That's why it's it's been, it's always well-received when we've had people come up and say, this was a trial we went through. And here's how we're praying that God will bring us through. This is a temptation that is happening. And I need your support. I need you to remind me. he says he is. I need you to remind me that God is the father of lights that doesn't change because right now I'm, I'm struggling. That's why we come together and we sing truths to remind ourselves to sing to one another as well as to God to remind each other of who God is because we are oh my God so forgetful where I remember remember our psalm series and how so many of the psalms it was like how many psalms did David write where at the beginning he was like God it's all wrong where are you he says not good and then by the end he's like oh God you're wonderful <laughs> you brought me through that trial again just like remember the time I wrote that psalm about like telling other people to like trust you I should have read that psalm before I wrote this one again You know, like, even even people that have been through it time and time again, we get forgetful. We need to remind each other the truth of who God is. We need to remind each other of the truth of what we think we're seeing in the shadows. When, When someone is saying, well, this looks really good to me right now, you can say, no, when, when the light comes, you're going to see that for what it is. That's going to be death for you. Don't go that way. When, when the light comes, you're going you're gonna to see where, where you ended up. And you're going to see that it brought death and destruction in your life. So we, we remind ourselves of who God is. We remind ourselves of his unchanging goodness. And we encourage each other to see through the shadows for what things really are. So that each day when temptation comes in the midst of whatever is going on, we have the opportunity to say no. God Is not a part of this situation. No. God is good. This is not a part of what He wants for me. He gave me new life, and so I can walk in that new life. I don't have to walk in this cycle of death. So that we can say to each other like James says to his readers, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. We know who God is. We know who he is. We know the truth of who he is. And don't let anything get in any seeing things and seeing God for who he really is. Let's pray. God, we thank you that in the midst of everything that happens in life, that you don't change. We thank you We don't have to worry that you got things wrong the first couple times you were trying to guide us and now you're better at it. But that you've been the best all along. God, we thank you for the gift of life. God, that we don't this room, we've even prayed with one another today. Is full of so many stories at so many different points of trials and testing and temptation. And God, whether somebody feels they're in the, the start of the, that journey, the end, the middle where wherever they are, even if it doesn't seem there's an end in sight. God, I pray that you would help us all to know that you are good, to know that you do not change, to know that you are there, that you do hear, that you do answer. God, that in the, the midst of everything that would Tell us to believe anything else about you. God, help us to cling to the truth that you have given to us. And that because we are yours, you have our best in mind. God, grow our faith. Grow our trust in you. So that in the midst of all that you are taking us through, we can more mature, more con-